Welcome to Sport Fate Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sport scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Joining us today on Sport Faith Life is Kristen Sheehan. Kristen is the program director of Play Like a Champion Today. If that sounds familiar, it's because it is the now famous sign posted by one-time University of Notre Dame college football coach Lou Holtz in the tunnel at Notre Dame Stadium. But it's the organization that bears its name that truly deserves recognition. The Play Like a Champion Today organization is a worldwide effort to change the culture of youth sports. Since 2006, Play Like a Champion has moved beyond the X's and O's to address the core elements of effective coaching, motivation, team building, and leadership. Today's guest develops curricula, teaches courses, and builds the partnerships to make it all happen. Let's get started. Hey, we're excited to have Kristen Sheehan here. Kristen, can we start off with you telling us just a little bit about sport, your sport background in your life? Sure. Thanks, Chad and Brian, for having me on uh pleasure to talk with you and your listeners today. And uh, just to get to know me a little bit more, uh, when I was a, a child, my family, we were swimmers. My parents liked to swim, so they put all of us on the swim team. And one day, my next door neighbor said, hey, will you want to come over to um, Patty's Acrobats with me? And I said, I would love to try that. And so I went to a class at Patty's Acrobats, and this was a young woman who rolled out a mat in the basement of a church in our town in Indiana. And I had so much fun at that little lesson. I come home, mom, mom, put me in acrobats. So my mom signed me up to be part of the class and Patty's acrobats grew. She got her own studio and it became Patty's gymnastics. And my love for my sport was born. I'm a, I was grew up a gymnast and competed as a gymnast and um, through grade school and high school. And um, then when I got into university, I went to the University of Notre Dame. My gymnastics background enabled me to uh, earn a spot on the cheerleading team. And I was part of an incredible uh, journey uh, for Notre Dame football back in the late 80s. Uh, was part of the national championship uh, team in 1988. In fact, even have a national championship ring with my uh, maiden name on it. And um, I had such a such a great time as a gymnast. Um, as far as other sports, then I became a mom and my kids did everything from baseball to football to um, cheerleading to gymnastics. I always had them in gymnastics. And in fact, I coached them in gymnastics frequently. Um, and then, you know, gosh, we, we did hockey and gosh, lacrosse even, you know, all, all kinds of sports. So I love all sports and enjoyed watching my kids play all those sports and now follow, you know, sports professionally, of course, follow Notre Dame. <laughs> still, still my favorite team. Although I have a, a, a actually, I have a, a new favorite team and that is the DePaul Tigers because my youngest son, Danny, is on the football and baseball team at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. So Notre Dame's taking a little back seat for now, and I've got DePaul as my, as my top favorite team. <laughs> the allegiance has changed just a little bit with family, right? Yes. <laughs> good. That's good. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about your, your faith background in your life as well? 
Sure. I'm a cradle Catholic, uh, which means uh, born and baptized into the Catholic faith um, from my family's influence um, and uh, very much uh, practice my faith in the community of the church. Um, I am active reader, lector, Eucharistic minister, volunteer, um, have served on parish council. Um, that's, you know, my community of, of faith. But also personally, I, you know, try uh, to nurture my relationship with Christ um, daily scripture readings. Um, if you talk to my family every morning, I send them a text that says DP, which stands for the daily prayer. And I pull something from the daily reading that day and I send it on to my family. Um, I end the day with something called DG, daily gratitude. Uh, something offering up to Christ, something I was grateful for for that day. Um, I also have taken on the practice in the last year or so, uh, which is a Jesuit practice called the Examine. And the Jesuits pause for prayer at the noon hour and at the end of the day. Uh, first, they center themselves in prayer in the morning, but they pause at noon and at the end of the day to reflect upon where Christ was uh, in that day, where I didn't accept Christ's call to be the person I'm called to be. And, um, and then a reflection on how we can be better the next day. Uh, to our listeners, if you're hearing energy come through the microphone, that is essentially uh, our experience with Kristen as well. Uh, lots of energy and uh, very intentional living. And so kind of exciting. Uh, I think I'll, uh, I, I'm now going to follow Patty's acrobats. That sounds really interesting. Uh, a, a new allegiance that I'll, I'll get to. So you've talked a little bit about your sport history and a little bit about your faith history. And what we usually ask at this point is, is what would it take for our listeners to get to know you a little bit differently, sort of off that beaten path? What, uh, what would you like our listeners to know about you? Well, um, I have something exciting coming up in the next couple of days. My husband and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage. And, uh, you know, he's he's home here every day with us in our home offices. And so we've spent a lot of time together in the last nine months. And it's uh, it's been great. You know, I, I tell newly married people, in fact, my daughter just got married. Um, she was going to have a big wedding in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we pushed it back a whole year. But she did still get married on the beach in Michigan City, Indiana, uh, with just my husband and me and her husband's fair parents in attendance. So that was a very special moment. And I'm embarking on her journey of marriage. I told her, you know what, it only gets better if you work at it. Um, and my husband also was a cheerleader at Notre Dame. And he proposed to me on the football field, uh, the beginning of my final senior season. Um, so we have a lot of history running through us. And uh, I, you know, Chad mentioned earlier, you guys got to meet um, my son, Jack, was the Notre Dame leprechaun. Um, so a little bit of a history of our family in there. <laughs> How cool. You know, I, I can't believe they made a movie about Rudy and not you. Uh, <laughs> you, you might be next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we we did get invited. One of the former leprechauns, in fact, the, the first black leprechaun at Notre Dame is writing a book about the history of leprechauns. And he interviewed all of the leprechauns that are still alive. And um, he invited us to write a little reflection on being the parents of a leprechaun. And we are the only cheer parents that have led to a leprechaun so far. <laughs> so... <laughs> Amazing. So 
uh, I guess to get us going here, I think we're going to get to this place where we're going to talk about play like a champion today. And and Notre Dame is actually going to play uh, prominently probably in our conversation. And so I wonder if I could take you back to your student years and give us a sense. You said you're a cradle Catholic. Give us a sense of the integration of faith at Notre Dame in the years that you were there. We talk about you know, how faith is integrated into sport. Uh, and for some of us, we work in higher education and uh, there are attempts to integrate faith in, in a very variety of ways. Tell us how it played out uh, in, your, in the years in the 80s at Notre Dame and, and what your experience was, maybe positives, maybe negatives. Mm-hmm. I think the answer to that, it really depends on the person who, you know, is, is um, there are so many resources on campus uh, to access that could expand and grow our faith. Uh, daily mass um, in a number of different places, uh, whether it was uh, in the Basilica, which is the grand church on campus, or whether it was in your dorm. Um, our dorm every evening had 10 p.m. mass. And there was a core group of us that would, you know, kind of walk down in our slippers and our pajamas and uh, go to mass before we went to bed um, with the priest that lived in our dorm. Um, so <clears throat> that was really accessible. Um, I actually, uh, every, every student at Notre Dame has to take a theology, two theology courses as part of the liberal arts uh, core curriculum. And in my first intro to theology, the professor just came up to me and he said, hey, have you ever thought about majoring in theology? And I said, no, I, I haven't. And he said, well, I think you'd, you'd be a uh, you know, really good candidate for that. And I encourage you to consider it. And from that invitation, I did become a theology major. Um, so I, you know, I, I got to explore the scriptures and, um, you know, it was, it was, just a, it was an excellent education from some of the most famous theologians um, in the world. Um, but how I did that personally, I really had to integrate um, my faith into my activity and pour myself into becoming the best version of myself in something that I excelled at. Um, and that was my, my sport of cheerleading. It really depended upon the individuals on the team if they embraced that invitation to live their faith through their sport. Is this something that you feel was um, you know, widespread from one sport to the next across Notre Dame, the athletics program? I mean, I'm thinking we see <clears throat> from the outside the University of Notre Dame as sort of the premier Catholic institution in the United States and um, a place that also has a really strong record of academic programs having success. And a quote comes to mind. I'm not, I'm not sure if this comes from a previous athletic director or not, but at some point in time, it becomes hard to win national championships with only Catholic kids. And so Notre Dame then would, you know, made a shift at some point in time to, uh, to begin recruiting student athletes from all over the country, regardless of their faith background. Has that, has that changed the ways in which Notre Dame athletics sees itself um, or, or operates with a Catholic background? Gosh, well, first of all, I, I don't feel um, qualified to speak on behalf of Notre Dame Athletics. <laughs> so um, this would be just my 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 view looking from, because I'm not a part of the athletic department. Sure. Um, however, I we did, when we started Play Like a Champion, we did interview all of the Notre Dame coaches. Mm-hmm. And what we found was, again, it was really an individual, you know, do you incorporate faith 
and spirituality onto your team. And it really depended upon the coach. Um, so we just recorded a new video series for our youth coach clinic. And uh, we recorded uh, Mike Bray, who's basketball coach. And he very intentionally said, you know, I don't have all Catholics on my team. He said about, you know, um, two thirds of them are Catholic, um, but we still practice our faith and invite them to join. Um, you know, they have game day masses and uh, uh, they'll do, uh, uh, you know, Bible groups, you know, the kids will create that themselves. Um, so I think it really depends upon the leadership, how they in, incorporate it. Um, now, from a faith perspective, um, I know that um, around our Athletic Convocation Center, which is where most of the teams will practice, uh, there are big banners that uh, will have quotes from uh, the Vatican document, giving the best of yourself. So in 2018, in June of 2018, the Vatican produced a document called Giving the Best of Yourself, and it was a Christian perspective on sport. And uh, they have, uh, they, Notre Dame has taken quotes from that and posted them around uh, their athletic facility. Um, so that's kind of a, 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 a tangible presence of faith uh, that kids and athletes can read and see. Um, or any visitors to that uh, to that site can see. So you started to talk a little bit about this organization, Play Like a Champion today, right? And can you give us a little sense, maybe an elevator speech of what that is? And then maybe a little history. How did it come about and where has it come? Absolutely. So Play Like a Champion um, is a program that we do um, workshops. Um, so we're an educational outreach. and We do uh, workshops for coaches and sport parents to elevate the sport culture, uh, to in be intentional about um, understanding the value of play for whole development and how to uh, be intentional about coaches to uh, encourage character development through the sport experience. Uh, we came about uh, because Professor Clark Power at University of Notre Dame was coaching his kids at a local grade school, and he noticed a lot of behaviors that really bothered him. Uh, things like uh, kids refusing to shake hands following a game, uh, parents actually fighting in the parking lot following a game, physical, a physical altercation. And so he said, is this something that is just happening in, in my local school or is this a, a trend across the country? So he did a research study, you know, you guys, professors, you like to research, right? Um, <laughs> and so um, the study was published in, uh, in the mid 2000, that was about 2005. The title of the study was um, The Good, the Bad, the Ugly, the Reality of Youth Sport Today. And it detailed that, you know, a lot of us think that sports builds character, but what kind of character really is up for grabs in some cases? And it depends upon those who are leading that sport environment. And so to focus that directly on trying to change that descending toxic culture of the sport experience, Clark said, I'm an educator. I believe in the value of education. So let's educate coaches and parents who create that environment for the kids in sport to do better to be um, to be harbingers of good character and to teach kids the good character that we can teach through sport. Uh, so we began in 2006, and we have been adding partners uh, every every year. We have over 250 partners now, um, all across the country and into Canada. About 42 states we have partners in. We expanded the curriculum in 2008 to the high school level. 
And every year we sort of add a little something based upon the needs of our partners. Um, so a partner just came to me last year and said, hey, do you have anything for captains? And I said, you know, I've worked individually with uh, schools on developing their captains and building their leadership. And so I said, why don't we work together this year and develop what we call now the Captain's Council. So we have a rubric for schools now to institute a Captain's Council, which is a monthly meeting for captains to develop their leadership and to uh, learn how to be moral leaders on their team and in their school communities. Well, it's a fascinating organization that seems to have done a, a great deal of good work. And I wonder if you can share a little bit more about your role within things um, as the program director. What does that mean? What are, what are you doing day to day? And what are you doing in, in terms of the big picture of Play Like a Champion? Right. So my role as program director is to interact with partners, to support our partners, uh, to work to bring in new partners. Uh, we want to always grow our community because uh, we have a, 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 a good cause here. And, and through community, we, something we say together, we're stronger. So we want to uh, increase that community. Uh, I also am uh, in charge of kind of spearheading new curricula if we need to create that. And uh, we are working on a new project right now, which I'll, I'll leave for later because I think you'll probably get to that. Um, and then um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Interacting with partners and creating new curriculum. Oh, and, I, and I guess really my favorite part of the job is actually presenting the workshops, you know, working directly with the coaches, working directly with the student athletes and with the sport parents. In fact, the sport parent one is kind of my favorite workshop because <clears throat> I stand in those shoes every day, right? I'm a parent and I'm always seeking to become a better parent and learn ideas that help me to be more effective and help my children uh, to be better. And so I'm doing a parent workshop tonight for uh, Bishop O'Connell High School in Arlington, Virginia, and it'll be through Zoom. Normally I'm there every August in person, but we, we reimagine things this year. Well, Kristen, I'm going to, uh, before we get on to like your current projects, I'm going to actually take you back a little bit and, and ask you a question and, and see if, uh, I don't know if you'll find it fair or not, but you talk about building curriculum and, uh, to do that, you, you kind of have to have an underlying philosophy, a, a section, a place where you're going. And if you can tap in a little bit to your theology degree, uh, tell us a little bit about how you would characterize your your Catholic theology and its particular stamp on sport. In other words, you talked about uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Clark Clark's original paper, Good, Bad, and Ugly. Um, how are you you viewing sport itself um, as an entity? Almost always, we we think about ourselves as a, as a person, but we don't really get into the actual nature of sport. Tell me what. what how you're viewing sport itself as a, a part of society uh, and where are the goods um, and is there a bad and ugly uh, that uh, permeates how you'd build curriculum? Yeah. So I guess if we go back to this idea of play, um, you know, that God is when there's a quote from Susan St. Singh, and she wrote a book called Spirituality of Sport. And she says that the child at play is in touch with the essence of the energy of God. Um, she also talks about uh, the arete of sport, which is, uh, she says, an equilateral triangle. And many times that we only attend, the, the sides of the triangle are mind, body, and soul. 
and that many times we only attend to the body and add the mind as a second element. But she believes that if you don't add the soul and the spiritual essence of the person, then you won't become your best athlete. And so, and that's where the the play, the joyfulness comes in. So the word sport comes from disport, which means to amuse, but it also goes back to the Latin disporte, which means to carry away. And so when we play, we are amusing and, and, and sport play games are human conditions. They're human elements um, of our world and our human condition. And so we are amused by them. You know, they, they give us a break from the ordinary. But if we insert Christ and God into that and our soul, I think we can allow them to carry us away to become truly one, you know, to experience Christ within as we experience that sport. And, you know, as the Vatican document says, give the best of ourselves, become our personal best through Christ within, only when we acknowledge Christ's presence within. Um, And I think a lot of people fail to even feel Christ's presence within. And so one of the things we want to do is bring awareness to, you know, that God isn't this far off God that we maybe pray to to win (laughs) the game, but that Christ is within me, Christ is within my teammates, and that we are Christ for each other and lifting each other up in this experience of community. Um, So, you know, we have our personal relationship with Christ, but the team also is the community uh, of believers uh, where you're, you know, coming together to do something special. Community aspect is really an interesting part of sport. And certainly it's, it's difficult to have sport without any interaction with community. We certainly can train on our own, that's for sure. But especially in youth sport, some of the joys and part of the reasons why kids flock to youth sport is because of being able to spend time with friends and enjoy community. And we certainly hate when that, when that goes wrong, ruined by adults, coaches, whoever else. So this, this foundation for what sport is, how you view sport, uh, I'm imagining that that has um, undergirded your curriculum in some ways and all the curricula that you're, you're creating. I'm sure that some of those are specific to certain schools or, or certain needs, but are there certain, um, elements of moral development or character that you guys are focusing on more than others? Right. Another thing I wanted to take on, you know, specifically um, from a moral or also then extending that into the Catholic uh, tradition is we build our curriculum around the cardinal virtues, um, which, you know, those are ancient virtues from the Greeks, from Aristotle. um, But St. Thomas Aquinas brought them into the Catholic tradition and they are in our catechism or Catholic catechism as the core virtues of a moral life. Um, And so we do focus on those cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, and we relate them to a curriculum to develop character. So we have uh, the GROW approach as uh, the means to be intentional about, about bringing character into the sport experience, and GROW stands for goals plus relationships plus ownership equals winning. And it's um, no mistake that the elements of the GROW relate to the cardinal virtues. So when we're talking about goal setting and striving to reach goals, we're talking about the virtue of fortitude, persistence, determination, courage to keep going, even when things get really tough. We talk about relationships. We're talking about the cardinal virtue of justice, fairness, respect, giving each person his or her own due, being our brother or sister's keeper. 
really important on a team when they come together in that community and that relationship. Uh, we go to ownership and um, ownership is so important in today's world because many times adults have taken the game away from the children. Mm-hmm. And so we say, give the game back to the kids. The play is for them. And ownership relates to the virtue of prudence, which is about being able to make wise decisions. And it's such an important virtue for youth because the, the, the goal is to make wise decisions when no one's looking. So you do it for the right reasons. Um, and then finally, winning, which is the goal of all sport. Um, you know, it's the social contract to strive to be successful on the scoreboard. And yet we can't just look at that as the winning aspect. So we um, sometimes can think of that W as instead of winning as wholeness. You know, have we really set our goals, built the relationships, owned our experience, and then we can become a more whole person. Um, But the idea of winning also is related to the virtue of temperance, which is about balance and perspective. And, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about faith. And, you know, sometimes sports can become, you know, like a, a false religion if you get married to the God of winning. You know, it can take over your whole being and then you start to compromise your your values. You know, you might compromise your integrity to get the win. And so temperance is about balance and perspective and keeping everything in the right place and proper measure. Now, Kristen, I love that you're tying this to uh, cardinal virtues. Uh, there are other virtues that are often played out in sport and sometimes emphasized. So uh, a virtue like, like ambition uh, can be... Um, you know, really central in sport, partially because of the winning aspect, right? The idea that uh, winning is, as you say, the goal of a goal of sport. And you even have in your name, play like a champion. Well, a champion, um, I'm guessing you have a a larger version of what playing like a champion is. Um, It can include winning, but it may not include winning. So how do you, a lot of people think, uh, uh, you know, Sport is great right to the edge. And then the cliff of sport where you fall off and get in trouble is that that win, right? That that desire to compete, uh, beating somebody else. And that is the, the part where sport goes wrong. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you handle that uh, tricky spot uh, in that sport is looking for champions? Right. Well, we we ask coaches uh, when we're doing our workshop, uh, we ask kids too, what are the qualities and characteristics of a champion? And um, maybe because they know they're in a, a workshop on character education, coaches often don't say winning. When I work with kids, there's always a kid in the group that says it's the winner, you know, and so then we use that as a springboard. Uh, well, have you ever seen a winner, a team that has won not live up to the other values that the kids will have mentioned, like respect and integrity and humility, um, teamwork, being a good team player. Um, and so I, I try to highlight that, that it um, it is one element of being a champion. But if you only focus on that, you've you've lost your soul. You know, you've got to you've got to focus on the bigger picture. Um, we like to group the characteristics of a champion into a few different um, elements, because when you often think about a champion, you think about um, a hardworking athlete, um, someone who has persistence and de- determination and doesn't give up and doesn't give in. And that's that's true. I think that's very true. We call those achievement-related values uh, or virtues. Um, but you can't stop there because you can have somebody who just maybe walks all over you to get to the victory, right? And that's a persistent person 
um, but they have to have social values as well um, to be a total champion. And so we talk about being a good teammate. We talk about a team spirit. Uh, we talk about encouragement. Humility is a social value. Compassion for your teammates is a social value. Uh, forgiveness, uh, when you've not been your best or your teammates have not been their best. Those are all social values that encompass what we say is a total champion. And then we, we encourage coaches to, to not stop there. There's another level of values and, and those are moral values. And in order to be a total champion, we have to embrace the achievement-related virtues, the social virtues, and the moral virtues, the moral virtues of integrity, you know, playing to the rules, honesty. Um, those are moral values that are implicit in the sport experience. Um, so that would create a total champion. Well, it's a lofty goal to, for someone to become a total champion, but certainly an important one, right? And, and really where sh we should be focusing our efforts, I would suppose, in terms of development. You've, everything that you're saying here has to do with community and it's all in community, right? You're, you're talking about social aspects of, of sport and development. And I'm imagining that that's part of what's played into this initiative called A Team for Every Child. Can you talk a bit, a bit about that initiative and why it's been so important to you guys? Certainly. Uh, so we began as an educational series. And when we uh, began working more deeply with our partners, we became very, very aware of a, of a moral toxic ill in our society. And that is that children from low income families are often not having an opportunity to play on a team. Uh, so what happened in the proliferation of the, the travel teams um, over the 90s and into the 2000s um, is that more and more people went to the expensive pay-to-play travel teams and that left the recreational leagues uh, very under-resourced and in most cases they've closed down. A personal example, my kids when I lived in South Bend, Indiana, they were part of Clay Baseball which is a local recreational baseball league and they played with kids from all neighborhoods. You know we just gathered at the ball field and had a great time. And it was a, a low cost, high quality league. Um, you know, I think we might've paid $50 for the kids to play. That league today, um, so my kids were there, we were there in the um, 90s. Uh, that league today, it's closed, it's closed down because the travel ball came in. And so kids whose families could afford to pay to play. And unfortunately, families who really stretch um, to pay for their kids to play also, and then there are some children who don't have an opportunity to be on that team. So we instituted a team for every child. And the, the goal of a team for every child, as I've heard you say a few times, it's lofty, but we truly believe that every child in our country, and we say they're our children, you know, it's not just my three children that I have to worry about. I'm gonna worry about all of the children in our country. And they have a right to play. Play will bring out the best in them, will help them to develop and grow and give them a meaningful activity to be a part of. Uh, and, and a meaningful activity with a coach who's a caring coach mentor. Um, and so we began working in the neighborhood of North Lawndale, which is on the west side of Chicago. And we sat down with community leaders that were already leading youth sport programs and we talked to them and you know, we listened we you know said what 
what what's happening in your community and and what do you need to be more effective and provide your services to more children uh, we took on a needs assessment of the community and from that from talking with partners who are already offering things and listening uh, we created uh, a neighborhood association. So it's a community association called the North Lawndale Athletic and Recreation Association. So that there were these, there's a football team here and there was a basketball team here and there was a boxing club here. And they were kind of in silos and they were had these incredible coach mentors leading the programs who were then having to you know, raise the money to keep the program going to sustain the program. So we brought all of them together into an association um, so that we could, as the association, help them to do some of the backroom things that are important to sustaining associations, um, help them to collect data, um, help them to uh, market their programs, help them to sell their programs to get more kids involved. Um, and then also then to create the structure that together as an association, they would have the opportunity to apply for grants and funds to sustain their organizations. So a fascinating and uh, justice-oriented approach, really, to uh, our areas of expertise, right? Sport, where we think about uh, how this evolution, what could be wrong with with things like travel teams, people would think, right? And then all of a sudden, um, you know, the Parks and Rec uh, experiences that my children had as well are uh, smaller or gone. And uh, I think... If, uh, if the church can't see that and work to fill that role, I think we're, we're definitely missing something. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how it's working. Um, this, is a, this is a big lift. This is a, a challenge. And then how do you see it growing uh, and sustaining itself as you go? And I know those are big questions. Right. So for the last four years, we've been working in North Lawndale. And we feel like over those four years, we've written the playbook. Uh, for this model. And we say it's a community-based uh, approach to saving our children. And it has three pillars. And the first is to create, uh, elevate the sport culture. And so for our partners in North Lawndale, they receive our Play Like a Champion workshops, which creates that sport culture to be um, transformational for the kids. Um, the second element is uh, the association model that we want to come together and uh, provide the the back room in a sense to develop the associations and support the programs. And then the third model is securing resources um, so that uh, the association can survive and sustain. Um, so we have the playbook and we took that playbook to the South Bend area as our second Team for Every Child site. And now we are in our second year in uh, South Bend, Indiana area, but also the surrounding region, which is called Michiana. And so last fall, we created the Michiana Athletic and Recreation Association, and that's going into its second year. Uh, so we're in our second city, and uh, we, we look to expand uh, to cities everywhere um, if we have the resources. And so um, <laughs> we right now are um, tackling a, a fundraising campaign uh, so that we can do this in cities elsewhere. Well, it's a really, a really neat, neat goal, a neat program. Um, love to see that it, it can be copied elsewhere. And, you know, the difficulty of youth sport is that um, so much of it is, is, is localized and, you know, things work in certain communities and, and not in others. And it sounds like what you're doing is coming in is um, bringing in resources and bringing in some cohesion 
to allow the people that are running those programs to do what they do best, that is work with kids and make sure that things are sustainable. Right. And so uh, it's great to hear about that initiative. Um, you guys are also a, a 2020 Project Play champion. Saw that. It's kind of a, a nice honor. Project Play is this um, from the Aspen Institute, this organization that deals with youth sport and tries to promote healthy practices in youth sport. Seems like a vision that aligns with what you guys are doing. And so we see this now um, connection between these two you know, national brands, Play Like a Champion through University of Notre Dame and then Project Play through the Aspen Institute. What has that been like to partner with them? And what does that mean for you guys moving forward? You know, Project Play just had a, a webinar yesterday, and it was all about the value of what I just talked about for a team for every child. They were talking about urging um, community organizations to come together. Uh, so that was really fun to listen to. Um, but yes, we are very excited to be a Project Play champion for 2020. And the project that uh, we uh, we got selected for uh, as the champion is a project with the Archdiocese of Miami grade schools. Um, so we've been working with Miami for the last three years, and they uh, they entered our partnership with a very intentional method of, of spreading play like a champion through their community. And it was the first year they educated all of their youth coaches. The second year, they educated all of the sport parents. So thousands of parents uh, learned the philosophy. And then last year, they worked with their high school coaches so that all their high school coaches received the philosophy. And then the next step for them, which was always planned, was for us to expand the curriculum into the grade schools through the physical education teachers. And so we are creating a for fifth through eighth grade a curriculum for the physical education teachers to introduce play like a champion and play like a champion concepts for all of the grade school kids. It's a fantastic endeavor. And what I really like is how you're now, uh, there's enough there to be able to start networking with other organizations that are doing similar things. And I think we're all going to get stronger as we connect and keep building on each other's work. Uh, and and expanding these opportunities for sport, if we believe in sport, uh, expanding these opportunities for play and sport um, for kids uh, all around the world. Uh, we're getting near the end here, Kristen, and uh, I just wanted to thank you for spending some time with us. I know that you are, for all of your organizational work and all of your uh, sort of philosophical background, you're a boots on the ground kind of person. You like to interact with the, the, the kids and be out there. So, Maybe there's a story, uh, maybe an experience, something that you could leave us with where maybe one child or one community or one family, you saw some real change um, that kind of uh, gave you inspiration for the work that you're doing. Uh, kind of putting you on the spot, but here you go. Hmm. I, I think I'll, I'll share with you um, doing a parent workshop tonight for Bishop O'Connell High School. And uh, I have been fortunate to you know, travel there every August, and they are very intentional about making sure their coaches receive some education in this every year, and all of their parents have to attend the parent workshop. I had the opportunity to work with um, one of their young athletes, uh, her name's Maggie, and Maggie said, I want to do more. Thank you for the inspiration of, you know, this philosophy. I want to do more. What can, what can I do? And uh, she was just a sophomore when she came, so young and with a lot of bandwidth left at the school. 
And so I worked with Maggie, talked with Maggie, and she created a, a program called Together. We worked and created a program called Champs, which stands for Character, Honor, and Morality in Play by Student Athletes, an acronym for Champs. And she created this group in her school, and she invited others to join her to talk about what they could do uh, to be better athletes and better people, better Christians. And she did so many incredible things. They would go to the Nats Academy. So they're in Arlington, Virginia, near Washington, D.C. And there is an academy there called the Nats Academy that the Nationals uh, have started. And it's for kids in a very low income area. They invite them in to play baseball and softball, but also to be tutored. And so she took all of the kids down and they tutored at the Nats Academy. Uh, she did a gently used drive uh, for sports equipment. And so everyone donated their gently used things and she donated that down at the Academy as well. Um, they did food drives. Um, and so Maggie inspired me and um, we've had the opportunity to spread that program in other schools as well. So right now we're working really intentionally with the St. Mary's in um, Annapolis, uh, Maryland, uh, and they're doing wonderful things through their CHAMPS program. We watched them uh, do a huge food drive at the beginning of the pandemic um, and all oh, letters to the troops, um, just all kinds of, you know, great um, work on behalf. And it's all driven from the kids. The ownership is the key for our grow approach is we don't say as an adult form this group, it's the kids forming the group and the kids deciding um, how they will seize that uh, virtue of prudence and make good decisions that help others um, in our world, in our community. So uh, Maggie is, is the one who I'll say is, is an inspiration and it's led to other kids doing this as well. Kristen, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to share your story, to share um, the information about Play Like a Champion and all of the other initiatives that have come from that work. Uh, we just want to encourage you. It's been uh, wonderful to hear your heart come through as you've described all of the all the work you've done over the past few years and just where it's going. It's really exciting. So we just want to thank you very much for coming on Sport Faith Life. And uh we wish you the best as you continue to do this work. Thank you so much, Chad and Brian, and uh, stay safe and keep praying. <laughs>